Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So, sharing the good news. Today we're talking about living the good news. Living the good news. And I just thought I'd start by, by telling you my story. Some of you will have heard this before, how I got, how I became someone who is a follower of Jesus. So, I uh, lived in Guyana, which is on the coast of South America, and my parents would take me to a church every Sunday morning. My parents are quite religious, so it would take me to church every Sunday. It was a Presbyterian church, so it's one of those big buildings. You, you get in, you stand up every time you sing a hymn, you sit down, then there's a reading, and then you stand up for a hymn, and then you sit down, and then uh, somebody will say something else. You stand up for another hymn, and then you sit down, and then somebody will talk about something that had no relevance to me as a child, so how I felt. And then you'd sing another hymn, you'd take up the offering, and everyone would leave. And it was, it was like that every Sunday. And I as a child, was bored of that. I was bored. But around the corner from where we lived, there was a Pentecostal church, and they had a Sunday school that they ran on a Sunday afternoon. So my parents were happy for me to go there, and I loved that because, well, because it was aimed at kids, obviously. So it was, it was aimed at me because I was a child. Uh, so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed learning the Bible. I enjoyed the Bible stories. I enjoyed making friends. I really enjoyed that. And I went to that Sunday school until I couldn't go anymore because I was too old because there was an age limit. And when I became too old to go to the Sunday school, some of the friends I had made at the Sunday school said, why do you come along to youth? Because they went to that church. Um, so I said, great, that'll, that'll be great. So I went along to youth. I was part of the youth group on a Tuesday night, Tuesday night from 7 till 9. Uh, it was youth. And then one day, they got a speaker in. And, uh, and he was an evangelist. Never heard of this, this word before. But he came in. And he preached, and oh my word, I was terrified. Because his topic was hell. That's his whole sermon was about hell. And he made it very clear that if you thought you were a good person, it wasn't enough. That if you went to church your whole life, it wasn't enough. That if you read your Bible from time to time, it wasn't enough. That you needed to give your life to Jesus because otherwise, Hell was waiting for you. Man alive. So, I mean, while I'm talking about it, in my mind, I'm transported back to that night, sat in that room thinking, what is going on? What is going on? And then at the end, he said, hey, if you want to respond to Jesus, you want to give your life to Jesus, then you can do that. And I mean, I was like, well, I don't want to go to hell. Of course, I want to respond to Jesus. So I responded to the appeal. I gave my life to Jesus. It wasn't long after, it didn't take me very long after that to realize that being someone who followed Jesus is more than just where you go when you die. It's about how you live in the here and the now. It's good that that's sorted, but it's also about how you live in the here and now. Someone who follows Jesus is someone who listens to what Jesus has to say, who does the things that Jesus asks of them, and who tries to embody Jesus in their day-to-day -day lives. It was a shock to me, really, because, because I was, in my, in my humble opinion, I was a good person. I was a good boy. 
I had detention maybe once in my whole life, and that was because it was one of those occasions where somebody didn't own up to something, and the whole class got detention. Yeah, one of those really annoying, you're all in detention. Well, it's not fair because I didn't do it, but I don't want to be a snitch. So I got detention. I was in detention for that reason. So I, was a, I considered myself a good person, but actually... The Bible says that our goodness is like filthy rags in comparison to who God wants us to be and in comparison to who God is. And so it didn't matter that I went to church every Sunday. It didn't matter that I went to this Sunday school. It didn't matter that when we had Sunday school quizzes, I would win. Even though there were kids in there who'd been going to that church their whole life, I would win because I remember stories well, that's all. It didn't, that didn't matter. I knew my Bible. I knew stories in the Bible. I thought it was good. But it didn't matter because what we need is a relationship with Jesus. We need to come to that point where we say, God, I am sorry for the things I have done. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. And so just, I'm just putting it out there. If that's you this morning, you may, you may come to Life Church or maybe come into Life Church or maybe hanging around Christians your whole life. Maybe you read the Bible from time to time. Until you have said, Jesus, I will follow you with my life, and you make that decision to then consciously embody the things that Jesus says to you, follow what he says in your word, decide that you're going to give him your life, that's where we need to be as people who follow Jesus, as people who give ourselves to him. The thing about my story is it happened because one friend asked me to go to youth, one person. One of the guys in that group invited me to go along to the youth meeting. I don't know where I'd be today or how, what my life circumstances would be if that one person hadn't invited me to come along to the youth meeting. God is interested in the one. He is interested in the one. And oftentimes, He will choose one to reach one. Oftentimes, it happens like that. So sharing good news is not something we reserve for Sunday. Of course, when we gather together, we share good news. That was great news that Jeremy shared this morning. We share good news. We talk about who Jesus is. We read Scripture together. That's great. But sharing good news is not just something we reserve for Sunday or any particular day. It needs to be that we live with a sense of readiness that God will have someone for us to connect with in some way every day. Because to someone who is lost, you are the good news. To someone who is lost, you are the good news. So let's look at a, a passage of Scripture where this happens. So one of my favorite passages. <laughs> it's all my favorite passage. Actually, there's one that I don't like, but it's all my favorite passage. Acts chapter 8. So if you have your Bible with you, Acts chapter 8 says this. a familiar, familiar encounter of Philip and the Ethiopian. So let me read it through to us. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandaki, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. <laughs> this is just so exciting. I don't know how 
I don't know how exciting this story is for you, but every time I read this, it's just so exciting to me. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? This is taken from Isaiah 53. That is important, because we'll come back to that later. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Such a great story. Such a great story of one man encountering God, responding to God, and then going on his way rejoicing. Now, I, I mean... I would love it if this was an everyday occurrence where you just have a conversation with someone and they say, please explain it to me. And then they say, can I be baptized? I mean, just that would be amazing. That would be amazing. But that's not what happens to us on a daily basis. But we should expect that God would choose to use us to communicate with someone on a daily basis. This one person, this Ethiopian eunuch was important to God. So important to God that he asked Philip to go to a specific place at a specific time so that he could have a conversation with this human being. I find that quite staggering that God would care so much about one person. But I want to remind you that if you are a follower of Jesus, there was a time where you were that one person. There was a time where God arranged it so that someone would have a conversation with you, or you would hear something that would pique your interest, or something would happen in your life to make you ask questions about who is God, or what is this church stuff, or what does Jesus mean to me, something. I love the way that God weaves the tapestry of our lives in such a way to get us to a point where we can respond to Him. In fact, in Acts I think it's 13, it might be later on, where Paul is having a conversation, it's much later on actually, Paul is having a conversation in Athens, and he, he has this really long speech that he makes, but he says this one thing, he says, basically in paraphrasing, that God has determined the times that every person should live. He's determined the times where every person should live. So let me tell you, some people, some people say things like, I wish I, I wish I lived in Victorian times, or... I wish, I wish I lived much earlier on. God has determined that you should live now because this is your best opportunity to have an opportunity to respond to Him. In the whole of history, this is your best moment for you to respond to God. God decided that. And God decides that for everyone. And I find that incredible. You know, there's the Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15. He says, you know, if a guy has a hundred sheep 
and, and he loses one, wouldn't he just leave the 99 and go and find the one and come back rejoicing? And uh, Jeremy was, was telling this story at Juice a couple of weeks ago. It was amazing. So Jeremy was sharing his story with the children at Juice about the lost sheep and how, you know, Jesus cares about us. And I was stood at the back, just over there. And uh, while Jeremy was talking about, you know, the shepherd would leave the 99 sheep and go after the one, there was one kid sat in front of me, and he muttered to himself. So I leaned in to hear what he was saying, and he said, I would have just left him. I've got 99. Why am I going to be bothered about one? I would have just left him. I thought, yes, you are hysterical. If you want exposition, deep biblical exposition, you need to go to children. I would have just left him. And you know, in the, in the summation of stuff, we could look at the situation like that and think, I, I do have 99 sheep. Why am I going to stress about finding one? But God, through Jesus, was making the point that he cares about the one. He cares about the one. And so God orchestrates this connection. There are two moments where God speaks very clearly to Philip. The first moment is he says, the angel of the Lord says to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, if you measure this and you work it out, and some people do a kind of a, a kind of a, as the crow flies, and then I was listening to someone else, and they were saying you, you, you would naturally travel back into Jerusalem, and then you would take the road south to Gaza. This is possibly a journey of 100 miles that God is sending Philip on. So that was the first thing God said to Philip. And then later on in verse 29 says, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then there isn't any other, there isn't any other recorded um, conversation between the spirit and Philip, just those two instructions. Go to the road south of Gaza, go to the chariot, go to that chariot, that specific chariot, and stay near it. The Greek word for stay near it is the same as glue. So go to that chariot and stick to it. And so Philip goes to the chariot, he sticks to the chariot, and he hears this man reading. What I wanted to do with this, with this talk was to break it down into, into threes, really. Well, into three parts, because there are three characters in this. You've got God, who I'm talking about at the moment, you've got the Ethiopian eunuch, and you've got Philip. So you've got three people. I wanted to break it down and just talk about God for a bit, and then just talk about the Ethiopian eunuch, and then just talk about Philip. And I kind of will do that. But the problem is they're so interweaved in this narrative that it's quite difficult to separate them out. Because the way that God works stuff isn't just box, box, box. God has an incredible way of working in our lives to connect different things, to, to speak to us in different ways, to use different people. And we need to be people who live the good news in such a way that we are ready when those opportunities are presented to us. God orchestrates this incredible encounter. And so let's talk about the Ethiopian eunuch. Luke is the person who writes the book of Acts, and Luke clearly wants us to know that this man is a eunuch because he says it over and over again. He could at some point have said, that same guy, or the fella in the chariot, or the Ethiopian, but he says eunuch five times in this tiny passage. So he wants us to know that this is a man who has had an operation so he cannot have children, to put it kindly. 
Uh, it wouldn't have been his choice. He worked for a queen, and so it was kind of common practice in the ancient world to make sure that men who were working with queens could not interfere with the queen in any way at all. And so that's what would happen to them. So he was a eunuch. Luke wants us to know that. And it's important. It must be important because he says it over and over again. So why is it important for us to know that this guy was a eunuch? Well, here's why I think it's important. It says in verse 26, 27, sorry, he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official who had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was on his way home. That's interesting. So this man had traveled from Ethiopia. Well, it doesn't have to be Ethiopia because in that time, anything south of Egypt, they were referred to as Ethiopia. So some part of Africa, this man had come from. And he traveled to Jerusalem to worship. We don't know if he was on business because he was a treasure to the queen. Maybe, maybe he was on the queen's business. But, but it says that he'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. The interesting thing about that is because he was a eunuch, he wouldn't have been allowed in the temple. Because Deuteronomy says someone who has that condition cannot go into the assembly of the Lord. And so I feel for this guy because... I don't know if he knew that before he got there, but he traveled to worship at the temple, but he wouldn't have been allowed into the temple. And so, he's traveling back home. Now, I don't know if you've ever wanted to do something, got really excited about wanting to do something, and then you get there, and I don't know, the theme park is closed. Or, in our case, Lisa and I went away for a weekend once, and uh, there was a, there was, in the hotel that we stayed in, there was a a leaflet on the, on the board, and it said, Thai restaurant. We thought, yes, Thai food is amazing. So we got the address, and we drove to this Thai restaurant, and we parked up, and we walked into the Thai restaurant, and there was a group of, of Thai people sat down eating. <coughs> but um, what, what no one else knew was that this wasn't a Thai restaurant anymore. This is where these people lived. So we just walked into their house. They're sat around the table eating their dinner. And at that point, we realized this is not a restaurant anymore. Uh, it was very disappointing because the food smelled amazing. And they didn't even offer us any hospitality. I mean, that, that would have been the nice thing to do. Oh, no, we're not a restaurant anymore. But why don't you join us? That would have been a great end to the story. But they didn't. So I can't remember what we had. But it was disappointing, whatever it was, because my brain was ready and my mouth was ready for Thai food. And I wonder if this guy was really excited about going to Jerusalem to worship and was now disappointed because he couldn't get in to the temple. And so he sat in his chariot and he's on his way home. I wonder what he would have looked like to people around. I wonder as Peter, not Peter, Philip was watching this wealthy man. And we know that he was a wealthy man because he was a treasure for the queen, so he would have been paid well. And also, he was in a chariot, so he was wealthy. And also, he was reading a scroll of Isaiah. You have to understand that in that time, scrolls were incredibly expensive because they were ha every, scroll, every scroll was handwritten. So, so scrolls were expensive. Every, every Jewish person didn't have a scroll. In fact, if your synagogue, if there were enough people in the synagogue who would pull together money to buy a scroll for the synagogue, that's where the scroll would be. But this guy has his own, so he is wealthy. And so you could be forgiven, if you were Philip, for looking at this guy and thinking, 
why am I here? He's wealthy. He's got his own scroll. He's doing okay. He looks like he's okay. You don't know what's happening inside people. You just don't know what's happening inside people. This is a meme that I came across. Not a meme. It was uh, something that Dr. Caroline Leaf posted on her uh, Twitter feed last week. <coughs> Someone's day, a bunch of circles. What we see, we see one circle. And what we assume, we assume that everything else about that person is based on that one thing that we see, that one moment, that one interaction. But you don't know what else is happening in people's lives. You don't know what else is going on in their lives. You don't know their stories. You don't know the pain they're carrying. You don't know the rejection they may feel. You don't know the disappointment they may be experiencing. You don't know those things. And you do not know what one sentence from you can do for that person. You don't. But we're in danger of missing the opportunity to speak that one sentence if we make assumptions based on what we see rather than listening to what God says to us and what we can hear. And so this Ethiopian eunuch, bless him, has this moment <coughs> where he's clearly hungry for God because he sat in a chariot and he's reading Isaiah 53 out loud. I mean, that was another thing they did in ancient times. They would read out loud. I heard a podcast where a guy was talking about it was so common to read out loud. There was one monk who decided he didn't want to read out loud. He would just read in his head. And they all thought he'd gone mad because he would sit there quietly and they couldn't hear what he was reading. And they figured, this guy, he's lost the plot. He's not reading out loud because it was so common. And so this, this guy is, is reading Isaiah 53 out loud and Philip hears him. I want you to use your imagination with me for a moment. In fact, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that because it is good. And I don't think I'm ready for it yet, but it is good. So he reads, he reads Isaiah 53 out, and Philip hears him, and Philip says, one sentence, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you are reading? So how does this, how does this Philip guy end up here, and why, why are we so caught up in who Philip is. I think we can also make assumptions about Philip because he seems like he's such a man of God. Like maybe he's one of the disciples. Maybe he's someone who's been given a special calling. And I don't know if you ever watched a TV show called Lost. Anybody ever watched a TV show called Lost when it was out? It was so disappointing. It started off so good, so groundbreaking, and then it got lost <laughs> it got lost inside itself. I didn't mean to do that. It got completely lost inside itself, and then the ending was really disappointing. So if you're not seeing it, don't, please don't give your time to it, because you will be disappointed. But Lost did some things that no other TV show had done. And one of the things it did was focus really heavily on something called a flashback. So you'd see this character, and they'd be interacting, and then this whole episode would be a flashback into this person's previous life and the previous things they'd been doing to kind of give you some idea of why this person was the way they were and how they ended up here. And that was exciting. And then they did something else that no one had ever done. They did a flash forward. <gasps> what is this? So you're watching the show, and all of a sudden, you're seeing something that's going to happen in the future. 
and then it comes back to the present, and you think, I'm going to start writing stuff down if, I, if I'm going to follow this show because I don't have a clue what's happening. Are we in the present? Are we in the future? Are we in the past? They did a flash forward. So let's do a flash forward. It's not really a flash forward because it's all the past to us, but let's do a flash forward in, uh, in Philip's life. He's only mentioned three times in Scripture. He's mentioned here in Acts chapter 8. He's mentioned in Acts chapter 21. So let's see, let's see what happens to Philip later on in his life after he has this incredible encounter here. He must, I think he must have planted a church or, or done something, you know, incredible or, or planted a few churches maybe. Who knows? I mean, I do know. I've read it already. Uh, Acts chapter 21. It says this in verse 8. Leaving the next day, this is Luke talking about him and, and Paul, the apostle traveling. It says, leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. That's it. That's all you get. So, we get at the end of Acts chapter 8 that Philip moved to Azotus and then he went to Caesarea. And then this is 20 years later. He's still in Caesarea, and all we know about him is that he has four daughters who are not married, who prophesied, and that he's called one of the seven. It sounds very exciting, like a, like a superhero team. One of the, he was one of the seven. And it's in, it's in capital letters, so it's not just the numbers. It means something. So, okay, let's do a little flashback then. We'll go back to Acts chapter 8. Earlier on, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it said, those who had been scattered, so persecution came to the, to the early church. Persecution came through someone called Saul, who we know uh, became Paul. It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip, this is the same guy, went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many, many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So it's all kicking off. So Philip has gone to Samaria because of persecution in Jerusalem. He gets there, he's talking about Jesus, and things start to happen. People are being set free, people are being healed. There's revival in Samaria, and it's happening around this guy, Philip, who is one of the seven. What is, what's going on? Final flashback. Acts chapter 6. The title of Acts chapter 6 is The Choosing of the Seven. It's very exciting. It says, in those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So this is a bit of a, a kind of dispute between the Greek Jews and the Hebrew Jews, and they're saying, hey guys, when you're sorting food out, the Hebrew widows, they're getting food, and you're kind of overlooking the Greek widows. It's not fair. So the 12 apostles gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Pom. Parmenas and Nicholas, that's me, uh, from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So Philip is mentioned in a group of seven people who were chosen to sort food out for the widows. That's where he starts. 
He doesn't start where Jesus calls him and says, you will go into the nations and you will preach the word and miracles will happen and then I'll send you to different places and people will be changed. Philip starts by serving the widows in his community. And I think this is profound for us because in this narrative, we could be Philip. Philip could be us. There's nothing particularly special or he's not an apostle or any of that. He is a guy who has been chosen to sort the food out for the widows. The difference is wherever he went, he talked about Jesus. And so when he goes to Samaria because of the persecution, he talks about Jesus and a revival kicks off in Samaria. And look at his response. Amazing things are happening. People are being healed. People are being set free from demonic possession. And then God says, I want you to leave this, and I want you to go to the desert road. And we don't see Philip. There's no bit in the, in the narrative where Philip had a discussion with God saying, but that's not fair because things are great here at the moment. He responds in obedience. God, help us to respond in obedience to you, to be obedient and submissive. He doesn't argue his case or, like we like to do, justify our possible choices. Yeah, but if I stayed here, I could minister so much, so much better, Lord. All these people, they need discipleship, and I could do that. It's not about your comfort. It's about what God says. He puts the hard work in because that was a long journey that he had to take, but he put the hard work in. The other thing I like about Philip it's not just that he obeyed God, but he listened. He didn't just say, hey, God's, God's told me to stay next to this church, so I must have to talk to you. What do you want to talk about? He listened to what the eunuch was saying. And the eunuch happened to be reading Isaiah 53. And he started with a question. Do you understand what you are reading? He started with a question. The guy could have said, no, I don't understand, but I'm okay. Thanks, Thanks for your time. But actually, the question was an invitation, and then the invitation worked because he invited Philip into his chariot. The other thing I like about Philip is it says in verse 35, Philip began with that very passage and told him about the good news of Jesus. He started where he was. He started at his level of understanding. He started at the passage that this guy was reading, and then he went further to talk about who Jesus was and the good news of Jesus. We have to start where people are. We have to start where people are. And then this incredible thing happens where he explains Jesus to the eunuch, and the eunuch says, I want to be baptized. He gets baptized, and then the Bible says he goes on with joy, and then Philip is taken somewhere else. And I wanted to, I wanted, this is your imagination bit. I just wanted to show you how great God is how great God is, because this is something we could miss sometimes, but God is so good and so kind. So I want you to imagine that you, that you are the eunuch, that you've traveled a long place to get to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, but you're not allowed in because of your condition. You're not allowed into the temple. And so you're on the way home. You're a bit disappointed, but you're still hungry for God. So you're reading the scroll. You're reading Isaiah 53 out loud. Some random guy's walking next to your chariot. And Philip would have been walking on that road. It's a busy road. There'd have been lots of people. I wonder if Philip was like, is it this one? 
How about these people? How about those people? Just continually asking God, who do you want me to talk to? I'm on this road for ages. And then God says, go to that chariot and stick with it. So you read, in, you read in Isaiah 53, this guy says, do you understand? Random guy, you've never seen him before, says, do you understand what you're reading? And you don't understand what you're reading, so you say no. If you can explain it to me, jump in. So he jumps in, explains Isaiah 53 to you, tells you about Jesus. You're so taken up with this, you think this is exactly what I've been looking for. You give your life to Jesus. You say, I want to be baptized. So you get baptized, you see some water, you come, climb out of your chariot, and you're quite happy to get into this dirty water to be baptized by this random guy who's just explained it all to you. And he disappears. The Bible says he dis literally disappears, which would have been amazing. He's just not there anymore. You think, what just happened? Was that an angel? Was it a real person? I don't know. But I'm happy because I know who Jesus is. And he carries on in his chariot. I would like to imagine that he carried on reading. This is the imagination bit. Yeah? I would like to imagine that he carried on reading. He's a eunuch. Rejected, not allowed, found out about Jesus, responded, amazing. I would like to think that he carried on reading. I've got no evidence that he did, but I'm assuming that he did. Isaiah 56. Let's imagine he carried on reading. He gets to Isaiah 56. Let me read this to you. This is how good God is. Help me, Lord. Isaiah 56, verse 3. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord, say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve Him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship Him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. How amazing. How amazing is that? A man who maybe felt rejected because of who he was reads God saying, no, I accept you. I will give you a name better than sons and daughters within my temple and its walls, which is where he couldn't go. Within my temple and its walls, a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I absolutely love that. And so we've got three ones in this story. We've got God working through the narrative. We've got the Ethiopian eunuch who has just had an incredible encounter. And we've got Philip. And my challenge for us as we're talking about sharing good news, my challenge for us is we need to live ready and expectant. We need to assume the positive. <coughs> I had a friend, still have a friend, who... Um, We'd have conversations, and she would say, she would confess to me later, I'm not sure if you are joking. I'm not sure if you mean what you're saying or you're joking. And so we, we agreed, we agreed on this. Just assume the positive. Assume the positive. Go from a place where you assume the positive. And I think sometimes in, in terms of us connecting to who God wants us to be and what God wants us to do, 
We don't assume that God would choose to use us, but He does want to. We don't assume that God would have something for us to say to someone else, but He does want to. And so I want to encourage us as people who love God to assume that God wants to use us to speak to people. My challenge was this. There are three ones in the narrative. How about when we wake up in the morning and we do our devotionals and we spend a bit of time listening, before we start our day, we recognize the three ones in the narrative. When we say, God, there are three ones here. One of them is you. One of them is me. Will you show me who the other one is today? Show me who the other one is today. Who is that one that you may want me to speak to today? Who is that one that you may want me to encourage today or to ask a question today or to just show some kindness to today or to just show some love to today? Who is that one? One of them is you. One of them is me. Who is the other one today, Lord? Let's pray. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.